Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. Now, if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing quite adds to the excitement of watching a game like having a free shot at a million dollar top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. But before we get into anything, we do want to thank all of our listeners for their patience. I know this episode is coming out a tad late. All that hate can go on to me. My, my fault. But we're getting you a good episode here. We're talking about a player that I feel like the majority of Penguins Twitter or Penguins fandom kind of either don't like or don't think he's good enough. And that player is Marcus Pedersen, who, yes, I understand. He was a third-pairing defenseman last season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So ceiling, not the highest that you need it to be. Floor, not the lowest that you need it to be. But Marcus Pedersen, I still feel, is getting a little bit disrespected. He has been. I mean, he's been good. He's been a good player on the ice. It doesn't help he was put down to the third line. And... Mm -hmm. Like we said many times before, he's been getting a lot of disrespect because he's been rumored to be on the trade block for about a year and a half now. Yeah. And so much so that um, you could see the return being decent for him because he's young. He's got good talent. Cap hit may be a little high. I think we've. I think I've kind of come around to realizing it's higher than it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, sticking him on the third line is not helpful behind guys like Cody Ceci and Marcus Patterson or. Uh, Mike Madison this past season. Yeah. That's where the issues come in. Yeah, he's not a bad defenseman by any stretch of the word. I mean, last year he came into training camp expecting him and Marino to be that second pairing. And, of course, things changed up a little bit when Cody Cece arrived and played much better than anyone expected. And the fact that Cece had to play with Matheson for Matheson to thrive as well. So those guys kind of overtook Pedersen and Marino, who had a slow start but by all means, they had a better finish to the season. They, they finished a lot better than where they were, and it really helped a lot going into the offseason, at least for John Marino, seeing the fact that they were able to play better towards the tail end of last season. 
Now, if you're going to really take anything against Marcus Pedersen, I think he does take too many penalties. And he only had 22 penalty minutes last season in 47 games, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it always seemed like they were bad penalties to take. It was penalties because of lack of foot speed. He got beat around the end, or he just took a bad penalty in the defensive zone. So it's not that he takes a lot of penalties because 22 penalty minutes and 47 games played is not a drastic number. But at the same time, it always felt like it was in moments that we definitely didn't need it. We, we could have done without. And also it felt like the penalties he took were rough penalties to take as well. Yeah, it, it, looking at his penalty minutes, they've dropped off, but that kind of just comes with the territory of not playing a ton of games. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, 22 and 47, trying to do that math. I mean, it's... It's, it's basically every other a game. penalty minute every other game, but like around a penalty there. every four games. Yeah, around there. It's not ideal, for sure. No. I think, especially whenever you mentioned that they are coming in uh, times where he shouldn't be taking penalties, where he's getting beat, or it's crunch time almost. It mm -hmm. hurts us, but you want, and you also want the the positives outweigh the negatives there. I think the penalties do not help, and especially for a defenseman. You don't want to see your defenseman taking penalties, especially defensemen that aren't, you know, bruisers. Yeah. I, I, I think the big thing for him, too, is the year before last year, his first full season with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he had 22 assists, and then last year, only two goals and nine total points in his 47 games. Listen, he's not a guy that we need to score points. When he came over, we likened him to a younger Brian Dumlin in the fact that he's not going to score points. He's a defensive defenseman. He's going to be the guy that you put next to somebody like Chris Letang or John Marino, who's going to carry the puck the bulk majority of the time. His job is spatial awareness in his own zone, keeping people out of the front of the net and making sure that they don't get good opportunities in his own zone. So in that aspect, he was a lot better than I feel a lot of people gave him credit for last year. And I have his player card from Jay Fresh here. And if you look at it, I mean, an 80th percentile in wins above replacement, that is pretty good for a third-line center. Now, I understand, or third-line center, <laughs> third-pairing defenseman. Um, but I understand he's getting paid more than what a third-pairing defenseman should be paid. But I feel like a big issue with that is Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson should be on the third pairing with whoever you put with him. But the problem is, Cody Ceci was not playing like a third-pairing defenseman last year. John Marino and Marcus Pedersen started the season out that way, and that's why Ceci Matheson grabbed those minutes as the second pairing, and that's why those guys were stapled right under Latang and Dumlin. So I feel like this season, barring what they do with Mike Matheson, Marcus Pedersen and John Marino will get deployed as the second pairing again. And that should that's how it should be. They're two of the younger players. They're two... Um, of the future players, I'm just double checking. You did say that uh, Pedersen and Marino will be second line, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, All right, cool. I, yeah. I think th that's what they should do. It, it makes the most sense. It's um, because they're the younger ones. They're probably the I don't want to say faster. Matheson's quick as hell, but mm -hmm. it's they're the younger ones. They're the ones that need to grow into the game a little more. That need to um, prove their worth on this team, especially if we want to keep Marino around forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, it's you. That's where you want him to be playing, and I think it's just difficult. Whenever we talked about Pedersen being traded this and all of last off season, all of last season, yeah, and you know, I think things have kind of gone by the wayside of his trade so far this off season, which is good. But 
Um, he's the guy that was always at the top of the list because of the return he could get. Mm-hmm. And I think so, I just want to jump ahead on this because, ironically, um, about an hour ago, Danny Shirey Irving tweeted something that has to do with what we're talking about here. Literally, I was in the middle of making my wings that uh, <laughs> slowed this pace down a little bit even further. <laughs> um, for He said he's surprised that one of Marcus Pedersen or Mike Matheson hasn't been traded yet mm-hmm. um, to leverage something with uh, P.O. Joseph's contract and getting Joseph into the lineup. And that makes a lot of sense because you know he went on to say he's 22 and another season of Wilkes-Barre or as the seventh man isn't going to uh, – improve or help his development which he's right so it just depends on now do we want to see you know joseph in the lineup at all or is it or are we kind of sitting with what we have here which is latang dumoulin Pedersen, marino matheson and yeah that that is the big question going into the season we've both said several times that po joseph will be a regular on this team by the end of this season we just don't know how it's going to shake out at the beginning and again with Marcus Pedersen, his worst enemy is Mike Matheson. From the second <laughs> Matheson got brought in, it was there's too much money being thrown on the blue line. Marcus Pedersen was the casualty because you cannot move Mike Matheson's contract. Pedersen played ex- pretty well his first full season last year. I think that was his first full season, if I'm not mistaken. But since coming over from the Anaheim Ducks for Carl Hagelin in that trade, Marcus Pedersen was... A, a very good piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So now I have to ask, there's a player that we talked about on, on last Monday's episode when we were previewing and reviewing all the moves of the Metropolitan Division. There's a player that we said it was a very astute move by general manager Tom Fitzgerald to bring in. He caught Joe Sackick on his back foot and got a good player for it. And that's Ryan Graves. Now, Marcus Pedersen and Ryan Graves, if I asked you who we would rather have, what would your answer be? I'd probably say Ryan Graves 10 times out of 10. And I feel like most people would agree with you. And I have, as you look at Marcus Pedersen's player card there from J Fresh Hockey, it's not a bad look. And then you go and you look over at Ryan Graves. Let me see if I can get this to work. Come on, you got it. Yeah, there we go. And here's Ryan Graves' one. His wins above replacement is at 36%. Now, I get that he actually played in the second pairing role at Colorado. But if you look at the rest of it, it's pretty similar. Ryan Graves is making about $800,000 less. He is on contract for two years less. But at the same time, he's performing at about the same pace that Marcus Pedersen is. Now, I understand that trying to compare Pedersen to Graves in the total scheme of things is kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, if you look at their performances, they're not that far off. So if he can put up a performance similar to what Ryan Graves is going to put up in New Jersey, that is a win for the Pittsburgh Penguins any given day. Yeah, it's um, it is a win. You just as long as you're not talking about the contract, I get it's eight hundred thousand dollars and it's kind of close. Um, it's still a contract that we don't like having because it's um pretty damn similar to someone who's playing above them. So and it doesn't help when we're mm-hmm. tossing around four million dollars at least. Um or at least contracts that start with $4 million to four different defensemen. Yeah, I mean, he's practically making the same amount as Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, he really is. And what really doesn't help is that a lot of money is being tossed around on our blue line. You're right, it it goes 7.25, 4.875, 4.4, 4.1, 4.0. 
that's five of your six defensemen. Because then who do you fill that last one with? And again, it's you know it's usually either Chad Ruiz or Mark Friedman or Pio Joseph. Um, just a matter of which one fits into the yeah the right-handed slot, which is going to be one of those two, or one of the first two, which is Friedman or Friedman or Ruedel, and then. Yeah, Joseph's a left defenseman, so you kind of get locked up there. Mm-hmm. And that's the big question is how is Mike Sullivan going to deploy his defense? It helped out last year that Cody Cece was able to bring out the best in Mike Matheson, but Cody Cece is gone. Who is going to be the guy to bring out the best in Mike Matheson? And if you're going to do that, where do you deploy him? Because if Matheson cannot perform like he did with Cece with someone else, you cannot have him playing second pairing minutes. No, you can't. He's, you got to find that the yin and yang, basically. They both, because they were both cast offs, right? They were both yes. not expected to play the way they did. And then they played the way they did, and it got Cody Cece a ton of money in Edmonton. I, you don't want to see him fall apart, but boy, that'd be hysterical. Um, just, you got to find the, the fit. And if it is, I mean, they're both left defensemen, aren't they? Uh, Matheson and Pedersen. You got to find the right, the correct right handed defenseman for him. And that's hard to do because right handed defensemen are few and far between. And to find one that'll play with Matheson, no less, to really, mm-hmm. they got to be stout defensively. That's for sure. I don't know who and on I, this lineup can do it right now. And, and I feel like if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Chad Ruedel. We haven't really seen enough from Mark Friedman to know whether or not he's that guy to just steady Mike Matheson. But I feel like we've seen enough from Chad Ruedel that he might not be Cody Cece levels of able to do it, but I, I think he'll be able to at least hold down the fort until GM Ron Hexel has to figure something out. Because y- you you look at this and you think one of Matheson or Pedersen has to go. You're spending $12 million on the left side of your defense. And Pedersen, who is better than I feel a lot of people are giving credit for, could be a good second-pairing defenseman. Not a great second-pairing defenseman. And Mike Matheson, he could go anywhere from being a great second-line defenseman to being somebody that shouldn't even be in the lineup. So, it, it, and that's all a matter of who you play him with and how you deploy him and the minutes that he gets and who he's playing against. And there's a lot of factors going into the second and third-pairing left defense spot. And that's between Pedersen and Matheson. And that's what the storyline is, is going to be on this blue line. Because you look at the first line, it's set in stone. It, it's fine. It's easy. You have no issue with it. John Marino should be playing with Marcus Pedersen. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's they've proven that apart they don't. It's not that they don't work when they're alone, mm-hmm. but they clearly work better together. And they, they're the yin and the yang, like CC and Matheson yeah. somehow were. It's somehow they're working together and it's working for the team. It's working for the betterment of themselves. And so I like those two playing together for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, that leaves Matheson. And without Matheson being brought in by general manager Jim Rutherford last offseason, this isn't that big of an issue. I understand you tried to get rid of Patrick Hornquist's contract, but you brought back a worse contract for a player that, albeit probably a better forward at this moment, but still you, you brought it back for a guy that is putting you in such a poor position and screwing over another defenseman on your team like Marcus Pedersen, which he's going to have a better season. He he's has to have a better season. And even if you looked at those numbers that we had up before, he didn't have a poor season last year. Defensively, at least. Offensively, yeah, he's not going to do great. But 
on that pairing, we need John Marino to be the better offensive defenseman. And we need Marcus Pedersen to stay out of the box and to just do his thing in his own zone. We know he can. It's one of those situations where we know they can be better. Yeah. He's just got to get there. Yep. So we talked about where he should be deployed. Do you agree second second pairing for that those two? To start, yes. Okay. They're getting paid way too much money to be on the third, and that's the experience they need. That's what we kind of expect them to be for the next at least two seasons, I think, however they decide to do the Latang thing. Mm-hmm. It's where they ex- we're expecting them to be for now. Now, with that, should Marcus Pedersen still be on the trade block? It seems as if he is. It seems as if it's going to be either him or Matheson at some point. But should he be the one on the trade block? I would say yes, because he's going to be the easier one of the two to get out. To get mm-hmm. out. Um, ideally, you want to move the bigger contract there, which is Matheson. Yeah. But it's just, that's just a hard one because you have to have the replacement ready. Because I don't think mm-hmm. you're going to get the defenseman to go right back into a slot somewhere for him. I just don't see it happening just because that's not how trades work. It's not um, that often you see, hey, I'll trade you a defenseman for a defenseman straight up one-to-one, maybe some mm-hmm. details ironed out. Especially two NHL caliber defensemen. I think maybe if they're bigger names that happens, but Pedersen's just one of those guys that, especially with the way trades are going these days, and whenever I say these days, I do mean in the money hell that a lot of any that a lot of nhl teams are in we mm-hmm. might just be getting draft picks back for him maybe a high round maybe second mm-hmm. i mean all the trades that were made for defensemen this offseason could yeah, that could help out i forgot about a lot of that um that could help us out a little bit in getting a better return for him than we're expecting maybe a you know low level prospect and a draft pick maybe you're not i just don't feel like we'd get you know right away immediately a player that would fill in the spot in the nhl level uh right away you'd have to have his replacement ready on your team already and that's the thing a lot of people believe that they do in po joseph and i agree that po joseph as a left defenseman is a guy that should be playing in the nhl this year the problem that i have with trading a guy like marcus pedersen is okay now pedersen's gone you get whatever you get back draft capital maybe a, a prospect that's a little bit lower in his in his time. So now you have Brian Dumlin on the left side on the first pairing. Okay, good. We expected that. Then the second pairing is either going to be Mike Matheson or P.O. Joseph. Who is Mike Matheson going to play with? Are you going to have Mike Matheson and Chad Ruedel as your second pairing? And then P.O. Joseph and John Marino as your third pairing? Or are you going to stick Matheson with Marino, which we saw last season didn't work out too well? That's the issue at hand. You can move Marcus Pedersen. He, he's probably somebody who has some value around the league. But once you move him, and I understand that, okay, P.O. Joseph into Marcus Pedersen's spot, that when you look at overall skill, that fits. But look at who you're trying to play them with. How is P.O. Joseph and John Marino going to mesh? They both like to have the puck on their stick. How is Mike Matheson and John Marino going to mesh? We already know it didn't go well. And do you really think that putting Matheson... And Ruedel, as a second pairing, Ooh. is helpful. And leaving P.O. Joseph and John Marino not only to fight over who gets to carry the puck more, but only have third pairing minutes to do it. So that's that's my issue, is once you make this move, then what do you do? Yeah, it that is the what do you do. That's why I thought, like, you have to have them ready. You got to have mm-hmm. your guy ready to replace them. 
then you bring out all these reasons why it's just not going to work and it doesn't make it look good. The, again, the easy solution here is to figure out a way to get Matheson out, but that's <laughs> that's yeah. that's not the easy solution, if you know what I mean. No. You, it's Because you get him out, you fill him in with, with um, Joseph on the left side, move Pedersen up, done deal. We're, we've got it figured out. But it just doesn't – things just aren't easy here. Yeah, it doesn't make it easy at all. And here's the big thing going into the season as well. This D pairing and, and this D core is going to need to help out Tristan Jari. Yes. Because we don't know where he's at. Mentally, we don't know where he's at in his game. This D core needs to be good right off the bat to give Jari a chance to get his footing. Let him face low danger shots, medium danger shots, and try to limit the high danger opportunities for the opposing teams. Because if you... Do not, Tristan Jari, if he gets hung out to dry, it's not going to help his case. I think that he, he could bounce back, but he's not going to be able to bounce back if you can't cover him defensively. And what it seems like here is if you do make that move and Pedersen's gone, then you're going to have to have somebody playing on your off wing. And that's not the worst decision to make in the world. It's just not one you want to have to do just because it normally doesn't work out the way you want it to it's uncomfortable for the player it's not right for the player um they're probably out there playing feeling like it's a power play their entire shift you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah um they're out of position and things just aren't right it's it's kind of like the discussion of trying to you know put a natural left winger on the right wing they're because of the way you hold your stick you're immediately off unless they are comfortable with it mm -hmm. and that's just how they like it then because I never, I mean, I'm personally, I'm, the way whenever I play deck hockey, I'm backwards a little bit. I'm a left-handed shot, but I like playing on the right wing. So where my stick is inside the, inside the rink. Whereas every, every other position, it's the other way around. Let me mm -hmm. knock my desk around a little. It's the <laughs> other way around where yeah. your stick should be outside. I'm sure that's uh, yeah. a natural way. I was just never comfortable with it. That's just me though. Um, but so unless you have someone who is comfortable like that, it's mm -hmm. just not going to work out. And that's and that ladies and gentlemen is called playing on your off wing. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to hockey school. Yeah, this, this is hockey school 101, hockey basics 101 with Horwat. But yeah, no, we've seen some of these players play on the off wing. We've seen John Marino play on the opposite side defensively. I think we've seen Marcus Pedersen for a time play on the offensive or the, the on the opposite side defensively. So, it's it's happened, but it is something that you want to try to avoid, but it it seems like if Pedersen's gone, you're going to have to move somebody over and try to figure something else out. Yeah, that's because the solution isn't in the lineup, I guess. I mean, unless you are ready for, which I just, we just don't think we are, any of these defensemen in the minors to come up. Yusa Rikul is down there. We keep forgetting this guy. I don't think he has a chance anymore. No, not, like, absolutely the, not. The, the fact that they haven't used him, the fact that they brought in a guy like Mark Friedman and they've switched general managers and he's still getting treated the same... <laughs> It, it, the guy, it, he's not going to have a chance with this team. And if he does, we're happy because this Absolutely. is a use of podcast. But realistically, I don't know if he hasn't been given the opportunity yet. That means it's Mike Sullivan that's not a fan of him. And if it's Mike Sullivan that's not a fan of him, he's not going to get playing time. Get it. Yeah, no. It, he's, I mean, he's a left defensive option. But he is. Again, he's not getting that opportunity. And that hurts. Don't get me wrong. I think that would be the easy solution of, hey, slide him in there. There's your left defenseman, but 
we're just not going to do that for reasons. Yeah. I mean, if John Marino can play the left side, maybe put John Marino on the left side and Mark Friedman on the right side and see how that works out. I don't know. That might be interesting. But at the end of the day, it's going to be something that right now it's not an issue because Marcus Pedersen and Mike Matheson are still on this team. It's just a factor of one of them will either be gone or the Penguins are just going to suffer in cap hell. That's that's pretty much the option that Ron Hextall has right now for this season on his defense court. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will finish off with our weekly Pens poll. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to finish this episode off with our weekly pens poll. If you tuned into last Monday's episode, we broke down every single team in the Metropolitan Division and our thoughts on how the division might shake out based on what the teams look like on paper right now. So with that, we also asked a question last week about the Metropolitan Division. And we questioned you guys, which of these teams do you think will be the toughest to beat this season in the Metropolitan Division? The Islanders ran away with this one. The Islanders won the poll with 63% of the votes. The Hurricanes got 16% of the vote. We put four teams into one category and they still came in third place, which is the Rangers, Devils, Flyers, and Blue Jackets got 14% and the Washington Capitals came in last with 7% of the vote. But realistically, as far as individual teams, they were probably third most that got votes there. But Horwat, who do you think is going to be the toughest to beat for the Penguins this year? I think people wanted to vote for the Islanders because we haven't been able to beat them Uh, in the postseason recently but we handle them in the regular season fairly often we were what six and two against them last year in the regular season yeah they're not a difficult team to beat in the regular season for us um and then there's just that rivalry there where clearly we don't like each other there's the shades of 2011 there is the past playoffs Um, but when it comes to actual hard teams to beat i took this question very literally and said Mm -hmm. the uh carolina hurricanes just because Mm -hmm. Sure, they rebuilt their goaltending core, and it might be one of the most inconsistent ones I've ever seen. Um, there's something about that team that you look at top to bottom. Yeah, you might not like the personalities they signed defensively. Believe me, no one does. But Anthony D'Angelo can play hockey. You know, there's half decently. Yeah, he's he's. It's very weird to say it, but he's probably primed to like have a decent season on the ice yeah not saying anything for his off the ice behavior and that's not what we're here to discuss i'm talking about how good of a hockey player he is nothing else mm-hmm. but then you also go on to ethan bear ian cole okay um jacob Slavin's still there brady Shea's okay they have a defensive core that's hard to beat period mm-hmm. they can score and they can play defense and he got their forwards which speak for themselves year after year i mean did where did martin natchez natchez Marty Natchez. Where did he come from? Where did he, <laughs> he came, come from? Where it, did he... It's the luxury of having prospects, Horwat. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. And <laughs> wait, why is Cockney already on their cap friendly? Did because I... he technically signed. Okay. He, he signed. He is agree? signed to okay. the Carolina Hurricanes right now. But yeah. Oh, I'm also wearing their shirt. That's great. I'm wearing the bunch of dirt shirt as we speak. Yeah. Let me pull back my flannel. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say this team just because 
from top to bottom, they are a deadly team. And let's say they get Cockney, man. That's just another piece that they don't need, but here we go. Mm-hmm. It's a solid team right there. It's Again, the rivalry isn't there, so it's not as fun. And well, Jordan Stahl is aging, but you know what? He's still a decent player. Jordan Stahl had a great postseason last year. Yeah. And here's the thing about the Carolina Hurricanes, who are also my selection as well. So we made up probably 8% of the 16% Hell that yeah. voted for the Carolina Hurricanes. The reason I voted for the Hurricanes is the last time we played them was at PPG Paints Arena. Yep. It was the last home game before the COVID shutdown in 2020, and they wiped the floor with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Patrick Marlowe scored one of the two goals for the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game. And now here is the other thing about that. Since the Hurricanes surprised everybody and took out the Washington Capitals in the 2019 playoffs, the Penguins have only played the Hurricanes one time. Was that it? That one game? Only one time, and it was that game in 2020 because that was the first time we played them in the 2019-20 season. We did not play them at all in the 2020-21 season. And now we're waiting again now that we're back in the Metropolitan Division with them. We have not played this Carolina Hurricanes team. The Bunch of Jerks. We haven't even played them since they've been named the Bunch of Jerks. I don't believe. Hmm. We have not played this team more than once since they became a powerhouse in this division. They won They won the Central Division last year. The year prior, they made the postseason. Lost in the first round, but made the postseason nonetheless. And the year prior to that... They went to the second round after taking out the defending champion, Washington Capitals. We've only played them one time in the last, what, three calendar years now? I guess so. <laughs> and the one time we did play them, they embarrassed us. So that is that is why I think they're going to be the toughest to beat, not to mention the fact that they are primed to be one of the best teams in the Metropolitan Division. They have the defense core, as you mentioned. Yes, they did switch around their goaltending, but Freddie Anderson has shown he can be extremely, extremely talented in the regular season. And their forward core is what they it is. And I'm very, very happy that the, that offer sheet went through and that that is happening all this week because it is it is slow season in the NHL. And that is just something, an excitement, and anticipation for me to sit here all week and think about waiting for the Montreal Canadiens response. <laughs> the, uh, just a uh, side note, the, the tweet they put out in French, man. They... The tweet they put out in French, the Woo! fact that their general manager, Don Waddell, made the exact same statement that Mark Bergevin made in 2019 when they offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo. The pettiness is unreal. And also the fact is that they did this and it might actually happen this time. Yeah, Sebastian Ajo really. won. It was what it was. It was just Mark Bergevin being Mark Bergevin and a crazy NHL general manager. This might actually go through and this might actually be a serious acquisition for the Carolina Hurricanes that really helps them. They need help in the center ice position. And a 22-year-old that is one of the best playoff performers at a young age that we've seen in the past decade, that's a pretty big help to an already very young, talented team. Yeah, especially considering I'm looking at the Canadians cap friendly, and unless they make moves and get rid of people, they can't afford it, man. I think... Okay, those two will drop to LTIR. Never mind. Paul Byron and Shea Weber will drop. They can afford it, but just barely. They're not in a good cap situation. So $6.1 million is not going to be helpful. And the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes are like, yeah, we'll give you the first and the third. (laughs) They already, and if you go listen to the Emergency 31 Thoughts, the podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, they go into it a little bit more. And I I promise you we are going to go into it a little bit more on our next episode because 
It'll be the return of shoutouts and callouts. And obviously, as you can probably tell from my voice right now, I like this and very excited about this. So I have two off hockey topic shoutouts and callouts. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, yeah, uh, but the hurricane should be feared. That offer sheet's mm-hmm. hysterical and. I don't know. It's they won the central last year, and the Penguins won yep. the east, east. The, the beast of the east. And now it's gonna be a fun division this year, the Metro. But man, I don't, I don't, I don't look forward to playing them. I really don't. No. Unless Freddie Anderson can revert to like playoff form all year, and Anti Ranta just stays inconsistent. I, I mean, hell, they were good last year, and they didn't have the most outstanding goaltending. I get Nadelkovic was good. Nadelkovic was really good. Yeah, but they I feel like the Hurricanes have always kind of had inconsistent goalies aside from that. I mean Well yeah, I mean even Mraz if you look back at the beginning mind. of it. Yeah. So yeah. James James Reimer. Reimer, thank you. He's he's a solid guy that sometimes would not be so solid. But that's a fearsome team. Mm-hmm. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you to everybody that tuned in. We will see you guys on Thursday. Hopefully this one is on time. I apologize again for for Monday's episode being a little bit late, but we'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere